Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T. And Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts. Hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Toomey. as always, in the NBA regular season has concluded the NBA playoffs, the NBA play-in tournament are upon us last night. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. The Lakers and Timberwolves went to town in an overtime, uh, maybe not a classic because it was, it was pretty sloppy at times, but a really fun game. Lakers came out on top. Hawks upset the Heat. Uh, I didn't see that coming, but that was an interesting game as well. But today we're not talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the end of the season awards, the All-NBA teams, the MVP, things of that nature. And who could come on to talk with me about those awards than none other than Mr. Chris Reynolds, a very frequent guest of Trust the Podcast. Chris, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm good. It's an early morning after a fun night of Lakers killing the Timberwolves. Just kidding. They didn't kill them. They almost choked the game away like 10 times. Uh, I have the Lakers going really far, so I got pretty concerned when them and the Timberwolves turn the ball over every three seconds or they both just missed and everything is rimmed out. Yeah. It was probably a really fun game, so now I'm excited to see some actual competitive basketball like that, even more in the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, we talked on your podcast, the NBA bandwagon. Everybody go give that a listen when it drops. But we talked uh, some NBA playoffs, uh, and we both said we thought the Lakers had what it takes to make a finals run. But uh, with that aside, Chris, we're here to talk regular season awards today because, you know, we did this last year as well on the pod. Uh, I'm excited to do it once again this year. We We, we tend to... You know, even though we both watch a lot of basketball, we tend to have some different opinions. Uh, just starting with the the regular season awards before we get into the All-NBA. Uh, this is obviously a big topic here on Trust the Podcast with the MVP. The last time you were on the pod, you remarked that you had Embiid as your current front runner for MVP. Now that the regular season has concluded, I'll let you start with your MVP pick. Who do you have as the 2023 MVP? Okay, I'll, I'll explain it. So I have this year, I have Embiid. And maybe this is we did it. Let's go. Maybe this isn't the best way to look at it, but like in my brain, if Embiid won it any of the other like last years or whatever, and like Giannis hasn't, I would have picked Giannis. Or if Jokic hasn't won yet, I would have picked Jokic. Mm -hmm. But if Embiid hasn't won it yet, it's a bit ridiculous. Where I'm like, all right, like he needs one of these last like three or whatever it's been. So I'm giving him this one. That's not like the best way to look at it, but he's been in my brain, Jokic Embiid, and Giannis are all in the same tier mm-hmm. where any one of them can win it. So at this point, it's like Giannis has two, Jokic has two, and yeah. Embiid has zero. That's just not right. Like Embiid needs one of them. Mm-hmm. So and Giannis, Giannis, I have second, and Jokic, I have third. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what I would have as well. I think that would be my ballot. So Embiid this year. Well, first of all, he led the Sixers to their best regular season since the 2001 season where they made the NBA Finals. So maybe that maybe we could be on to something there. But uh, 54 wins for the Sixers. Embiid, talk, everyone wants to talk about his health. He played more games than Giannis, only three less than Jokic. 66 appearances for Joel this season. Uh, shot 55% from the field. Only That's the highest mark of his career, only the second time he's been over 50%. He's improved a lot uh, just as a passer this year. He improved as a passer last year. But this year, just getting out of those double teams, when you're playing the Bucks, when you're playing the Celtics, he just felt more co- uh, comfortable getting out of sticky situations. I think that helped him a lot. Uh, Rebounding-wise, you know, I would say the first half of this season, defensively, he wasn't quite at an elite level, just really good. I would say since maybe around February, he's, he's kind of had um, a turnaround there, and he's back to his dominant self. He's been rebounding with a lot more effort. Do you think Embiid... Would you say to your eyes this is the best he's ever been? Because I would say it he is the best he's ever been. Yeah, for me, it was when I was watching him, it just seemed like he did this stuff before, but especially like down the stretch of games, like in the clutch time, it seemed like he kind of could disappear at times just because he's a center. But I feel like at a few times this year where I was watching, we said like he was the one with the ball. I remember I texted you one time because I put on a Sixers game and he hits the game winner over Portland. You know, like stuff like that, I feel like he didn't do a few years ago, you know? So I felt like that was the biggest thing was down the stretch of games. He was still asserting his dominance. The Sixers were always in that hunt, so they were always playing tough games. I think that's a t- thing, too, with the Bucs is they were kind of load-managing Giannis the whole year. 
And B, they actually needed the whole season. He missed some games because of like actual injuries, but he was consistently on the court too, which is one of the biggest things with them. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is definitely he definitely feels the healthiest as well. Just coming in this playoff run, I'm really confident that it, even if the Sixers don't make the finals, which I hopefully they do, but you know they got a hard road ahead of them. But I don't think if we lose, it's going to be because Embiid got hurt or Embiid didn't play up to par. I think he's going to put forth his best his best postseason to go along with his best regular season. So we finally did it. MVP has arrived. It is a reality. And it seems like the media, the people who are actually going to vote on this so far, the people who have announced their votes, a lot of them said Embiid. So very much a victory lap, maybe even a victory tour here on Trust the Podcast today. Joel Embiid is the Chris Reynolds, Joe Tooman unanimous MVP. So rookie of the year, uh, who do you have for rookie of the year? I have Paolo Benchero. I think he's shouldered the most burden of anyone by far. And I think he's got to win it. Yeah, I have Paolo too. The issue that I have is I just want like an honorable mention for Jalen Williams. He's going to come in second. There's, I feel like there's a lot of years where this rookie figures stuff out halfway through the year, like at the all-star break, and then they have this great end. And then it makes it somewhat interesting for the rookie of the year. But at the end of the day, like Paolo had a bigger load the whole year and it was better the whole year. I think Jalen Williams probably had a better last month, but Paolo, I think, has to be the pick. The Magic aren't great. Like, they're they're solid for a young team, but in terms of an actual competitive, they're not there yet. But with him, he really just elevated them a lot, I think, more than anyone else. And Williams, I think, was great, but that's really Shea's team. And Williams could be more efficient, which was great, but I think that's more about the system around him. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, Jalen Williams, uh, to your point, since February 1st, 17 a game, five rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 53 from the field, 42 on threes. But over the entire year, still really efficient most of the year. But, you know, just 14 a game kind of he was mostly just a really high level role player until maybe like the last two months where Paolo, he's been the number one guy on that team. Actually, I guess you could say Franz is their best player, but Paolo has been right there with them like they're 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 the glue that holds that team together and it's going to be that way for a while you know 20 points a game seven rebounds four assists he has all the tools of being a really strong two-way star in my opinion he needs to be a little more efficient from three but overall I think he's he's proven he has a very bright future I listened to him on the Ryan Rosillo podcast Paolo went on and talked for a while Mm -hmm. and then he was saying he's like I don't want to make an excuse about it because like it's not really an excuse, but like he had like a nerve thing in his neck that went down his arm. Yeah. Like when he was shooting like that month that he didn't, he hit one three, he was saying like, he literally like his nerve was messed up in his like neck and back or whatever. And then he said it went away at the end of January. And then right after that's when he started shooting well again. So I yeah. think that was also part of it where it's like some inconsistency, but also like a small health thing, but he p- played through it. And then People are going to judge him when he has bad shooting performance, but he's also playing through injury, which not a lot of guys do. Interesting. Yeah, I, I do remember that at the beginning of the season, he did miss a couple weeks with an injury. So that, that's interesting if he's kind of had to play through that all season. But honestly, regardless, he was still the best rookie, even even with oh, the still, yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. So then defensive player of the year. This is an interesting one. I think it's been a, a hotly debated topic just because there's a lot of good options this year. I went with Jaron Jackson Jr. because I think he's he's been the most impactful. I think you can just it's it's close with a few other guys, but I think he's been the most impactful, especially since he came back from the injury and kind of skyrocketed Memphis's defense uh, towards the top of the league. I thought we were gonna have some disagreements. I also went Jaron Jackson though. Okay. I think he should have won it last year, but that's not why I chose him this year. I chose him this year because, well, it's he did miss a lot of games. That's the only critique against him. But he when you twenty, on, I mean that's a lot. But when we just picked Embiid for MVP, Embiid played four more games than him. I know, but compared to Brook Lopez, who played like sixty-eight okay. and seventy-eight, actually seventy-eight, seventy-eight. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, yeah. but Brook Lopez played a lot more. That's the argument against him. But I just felt like when he was on the court, he was clearly the best defensive interior presence in the league. He played enough for me to give him that. He blocked shots at such a ridiculous rate that he's able to like overcome missing that time it's all this ridiculous total of blocks he had so many games right over it was like four or five blocks like he had like the most by far over that stretch he literally averaged three blocks and one steal per game four stocks like no one is doing that in this in the year of 2023 besides him 
Yeah, that's a decrease too, because a lot of the season was at like three point six, and then it like started to dip down towards the end. So like it's yeah. the whole year, he just had like some of these games where he was just literally unstoppable in the paint. So I went with him. Brooke Lopez, one thing against Brooke is that he has Giannis and Drew on that team, which doesn't really take away from your defense, but it makes it easier when you have great defenders around you. And I feel like the Grizzlies, I mean, Dylan Brooks kind of like, I just hate Dylan Brooks, but <laughs> like Bain's still solid defensively, but they lost Adams too. And they, they had right. to put Xavier Tillman in there. But last year without Adams, Jackson wasn't good defensively as much, but I think this year he was able to keep that production without another center next to him, which I thought was pushed him, like elevated him from last year. Yeah, I would say the two biggest arguments I have for Jaron over Brooke are what you just said. Adams went out for a lot of the end of the season and Jaron kind of just, he was already their best rim protector, but then he had to do even more down there. He had to take, he had to go go against the centers, the big bodies, just as much as those, those forwards. Uh, and the other thing is he's a lot more switchable than Brooke. Like he can, he can guard wings. He can, he can, he can move his feet is a lot faster than Brooke. And I try not to be like, you know, uh, biased against these, these more prodding bigs, but we've talked about this with Rudy Gobert in the past. And I think Brooke, you know, he's such a great shot blocker, but like you said, having Giannis next to you is definitely going to help make it easier to get fun, funnel people into the paint for an easy block. Like I think Brooke is really, really good, but I think Jaron's just a little more versatile and he did a little more with less. And those two combinations, plus the stats, just the box, the basic box score stats, as I said, are out of this world. So that's why I went with Jaron. Yeah, I have Brooks second too. Like if you yeah, the whole thing, like, I I do as well. I think it's crazy though, where people will have Brooke and then they won't have Brooke on there, but they have Drew. Like I love Drew, but then if you're gonna argue that Brooke can't get it because he has talent around him, but then you give it to Drew, Drew's on the same team, so that doesn't make a lot of sense in my eyes. Of like Brooke, I think of all the guys on Milwaukee, Brooks the one that deserved any recognition the most this year. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he was him and Jaron's like block numbers. Like if you look at more, some of the advanced stats, like they're both making people shoot like third, 13% worse against them. So they're, they're similar in that sense. But like I said, I feel like Jaron does a little more that doesn't show up in the box score that like he's a little more versatile. So I think that's why we uh, went with there. I'm hoping this might be somewhere we disagree. Six man of the year. Who you got? Um, I switched it and I went to Brogdon as my sixth man. Okay. So we do disagree. I'm not, this isn't a passionate disagreement though, because I think there's three great candidates. I went with Bobby Portis. So give me your case for Brogdon. Honestly, I'm surprised about Portis. I feel like the options right now are quickly or Brogdon, but I, I'm going to talk about this because I don't get it, but go yeah, ahead. I, I honestly love Bobby. I think I texted you one time. Bobby Portis is the best player in Milwaukee as a joke <laughs> because he had an incredible game that I was watching. Yeah. Um, Ray Brogdon was just like quickly was like the fun pick. He's younger. He could like score in bunches, but I don't want to say he like started a lot of games, which it's for me, it's weird. If a lot of your stats though, your best games are when you have, you know, 35 minutes. Cause you're starting that game. Brogdon though, was a stable, was the like most boring, but like stable pick off the- one start all year. Yeah. Like he genuinely was their sixth man. He was a very good lockdown guard. He shot the three well. He averaged almost 15 points a game. Boston's the second best team, which I think you have to work worth noting. I mean, I know for Portis, he was the best team too, but quickly is more of like a heat check guy offensively. And that's like a different type of six man. But just in terms of the fact that quickly started a lot and Brogdon was off the bench, I gave it to Brogdon. Yeah, I had Brogdon as my sixth man of the year probably like a month ago. I even did like a top 10 list on TikTok of best bench players in the league. I gave Brogdon number one. If he wins, I have no complaints. Um, But the only reason I had Brogdon ahead of Bobby at that point was because Bobby got injured. He missed like a week. It seemed like he was going to be out of action for a little while. Bobby Portis wound up playing more games than Malcolm Brogdon, only two more games. So it's not a huge difference. But I feel like there is this like because Bobby Portis missed like two weeks of time, I feel like people think he missed a lot more than he did when the reality is he played just as much as these other guys. He averaged 14 points and almost 10 rebounds off the bench. He can score down low, but he's also a really solid three-point shooter. I just think that he he can put forth performances where all of a sudden he's making six three-pointers and he winds up with 27 points, 10 rebounds, but he's also he's just consistently successful coming off the bench for the Bucs. And I think he gives them a different dynamic when Giannis and or Brooke comes out. It's just a different type of guy down low for them and you know similar to Brogdon like they're both on two of the best teams in the league 
and they both make a huge difference coming off the bench. Brogdon, like you said, he's come more, he's more of that calming force. You know, he's a point guard. Uh, you know, he's called they they call him the president just because of how how polished he is, but he's also he's just such an efficient player. I don't know. I just think Bobby Portis brings a certain fire. The crowd loves him with the Bucks. Like when he comes in, it energizes the fans, it energizes the team. I think it's very close, but I'm gonna what's, go Bobby Portis. What's Bobby Portis's points per game? Uh around 14. Okay. I just looked also Zach Lowe's. I was just scrolling down. Zach Lowe's six man. One is quickly. Two's Brockton. Three is Austin Reeves. Oh, come on. Austin Reeves starts. I don't know. I feel like Portis has gotten no recognition for the six yeah, man. He very strange. Should be getting a double double off the bench on good shooting. Like that's that's very impressive. I'm assuming there's guessing that's the talent around him helping, but I, I don't know. I really don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Bobby Portis, like last year, he was the starter because Brooke was hurt most of the year and he was awesome last year. Uh, I don't know. I think he deserves – I'm not going to be mad if Brogdon wins because he's had a great season. I think it's a very close race between those two with quickly as uh, the third-place guy. I think quickly my, might win. In my eyes. What? I think quickly might win. I don't get that. Like, I don't. It's not like – he's very good, but I just think – I just don't think he's as good as those other two guys. It's it's that simple. I I, I just don't. I see agree. It. I'm just letting you know that. Yeah, Brooke is probably going to win. Okay. Well, we 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 know ball, Chris. Unlike the voters, for most improved player, who do you got? This one kind of was tough because there's a lot of good options that I liked. I went with Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, it wasn't tough for me, at all. To me, it was, but I ended up going back to the same thing that we talked about last year too when Jaw won. Just because you go from good to great and now you're like one of the top guys, that doesn't necessarily mean you improved more than guys who just went from like ad to like really good. So Laura Barkin, I think, had the actual most improvement compared to Shea or Brunson. Brunson, I think, improved a lot, but I think it was just actually like a situation changed and mm-hmm. he did get better as well. But and Shea also really is scoring elevated. But to me, Laura Barkin went from He's not like a bust, but like kind of, you know, taken early by Chicago, could always shoot, but never really worked it out. And then he goes to Utah and then everything just clicked. He was the best player on a team that was in the playoff contention for most of the year until they decided to like tank and then just be like, all right, Laurie, so at the last few games and they yeah. could have made the playoffs that they wanted to, I believe. So I agree. To me, Laura Markinen gets that. Uh, I think Shea was like the John Morant of last year and uh, Brunson's another one that could have got just because of the fact that he went to a new team and also was a leader in that team. Yeah. Laurie to me should like unanimously win this award. Like you said, like he was kind of just wrote off as not even wrote off. Cause it, like his play deserved to, to have been viewed this way, but he was kind of just like fine role player can shoot struggles to stay on the court at times. He's had a lot of injuries uh, in the past. He goes to Utah this year and just becomes a sniper. He shot 50, 58% from two. He shot eight, almost eight threes a game, made 39% of them. Uh, career high in free throws uh, made. He averaged 25 points per game. A legit all-star. Uh, not to spoil our all-NBA talk that we're about to get to, but he's definitely on one of my teams. And Utah was, like you said, they started the year really hot, and then they, they fizzled out a little from there, but they remained competitive until – towards the very, very end of the season. He's grown a lot as a player, and, yeah, I think he should win most improved. Compared to where he was at the start of the season, he definitely, I think, increased the most. I mean, he had Chris Dunn towards the end of the year, but... No, that's a good point. Chris Dunn, too. He got some MVP nominations, but... (laughs) I love Chris Dunn. I'm so happy to see him, you know, finally breaking through. Anyways, Coach of the Year. It's got to be Mike Brown, right? I have Doc Rivers. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Mike Brown. Why did Bill Simmons put Doc Rivers on his Coach of the Year ballot? That was absurd. As a loyal Bill Simmons fan, that hurt my feelings. Mike Brown is the Coach of the Year, right, Chris? Yeah, it's Mike Brown. Yeah, so the Kings. They haven't made the playoffs since 2006. They're the three seed. Uh, just Mike Brown himself hadn't coached an, an NBA team since 2014. He's been an assistant with the Warriors for a very long time. Comes in. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be more of a defensive minded coach. He was like the defensive coordinator, so to speak, in Golden State. He comes in and the Kings become the most efficient offense in the league. He's got Sabonis and Fox playing incredible. They got all these shooters. I don't know. The Kings were just a super fun team. They made a ton of strides. A lot of players improved. The Kings as a franchise improved. The beam team, just great story. I think he's got to win it. Now, I will say if if the Jazz had like 
kept going, Will Hardy would have been a close second for me, but by them bowing out late in the season, Mike Brown became the clear favorite. Yeah, I think once the Kings really just locked down the three seed and there was, I don't really think there was a lot of other options either. I like Coach Bud, but actually Coach Bud was probably second for me just because that's that, that's that team literally also missed Giannis and Drew and Middleton a lot of games. Like, Drew missed more games than you think. Giannis missed a lot, and Middleton was a shell of himself when he was out there. Yeah. And he was barely out there. That's a good point. Like, to readjust the team without Middleton's offense is actually pretty impressive. They were they were yeah. the best in the league this year without their central offensive forward for the yeah. like, seven years. The coach yeah. put second. Mike Brown, though, he went to the Kings, and he literally just did the Warriors offense, where I watched this one video of, like, how the Kings scored, and it's just like they just took it straight from the Warriors playbook. And yeah. that's, you know, new guy comes in and solves his system. They use another team. So makes yeah. sense. It's just kind of funny to see it now in a different team. But Kevin, they have the guys Kevin to do Herter it. is the new Clay Thompson, yeah. Yeah, basically. He's the new Chris Reynolds. But uh, oh so God. if you look at – like he goes in there. You have to change the culture. You have to like, – it looked like the Kings were – a few years ago, it's like they got some talent and they just kept blowing opportunities. But finally, they were able to piece it together and beat the three seed. Like nonetheless, like if they were a playing team, you'd probably like might win. But the fact that they're this high in the West, besides Coach Bud, there's just like a bunch of guys that were good. Hardy, you mentioned, but even if Utah made it, like they were really good early, but the second half of the year, they just weren't that anymore. No, yeah, I definitely agree. I think Mike Brown deserves it. So moving on to our All-NBA teams, this is where the fun begins, Chris. This is where the fun begins. Who do you got for your first team All-NBA? Five best players in the league at their position this year. All right. So I stuck true to actual positions. I didn't do like – I wasn't like, oh, well, if I put, you know, Davis as a power forward. But <laughs> I, like, I did if where they play is where I actually put them. And I feel like most of these, I don't even think it's that controversial. My two okay. guards, I had Shea Gillis-Alexander, I had Donovan Mitchell. My okay. two forwards were Giannis and Tatum, and Embiid was my center. The only thing I kind of struggled with, I honestly was like, I don't really want to put Donovan Mitchell first team, just because I'm not a huge Donovan Mitchell guy. I liked other guys that just either didn't play enough games or think his team was a four seed, he was the best player on that team, and he was really good statistically, but... Luca fell out of it. Luca was there most of the year, but I, if your team doesn't make the playoffs, you're not getting first seed from me. Okay, I think that's fair. I, I have Luca penciled in, but I almost want to agree with you with Mitchell as first team. I mean, 28 a game. He's the central offensive force for Cleveland. Uh, he stepped up defensively, got closer back to where he was a few years ago this year, uh, playing under that Cleveland, the number one defense in the league, Cleveland. Uh, SGA, you mentioned. You know, SGA's taking 31 shots a game if you throw in his 10 free throws. Like, he, yeah, and, and only two of them are three-pointers, and he still averaged 30 a game. He's underrated defensively. He's averaging over one steal and one block per game. Like like you said, he 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 improved a ton. It's just Laurie Markkinen went from role player to uh, su- like star, not superstar, but star. SGA improved a ton, too. The Thunder made the play, and we'll see if they beat the Pelicans tonight and get in the playoffs. But he was incredible this year. And I already thought he was going to be really good, but he really surpassed my expectations He's now one of the best guards in the league. Luca, the thing, the reason I still am struggling not to not to put him on the first team is like it's supposed to be the full season. I understand Dallas tailed off after the Kyrie trade. And defensively, the effort isn't always there. But the guy still averaged like 31, 8, and 8. He's still considered like a top six player in the league. Dallas, they weren't atrocious. They just they missed the play in by two games. But I don't know. I think you've talked me into it, though. I, I feel like I want to switch it and give Mitchell the first team, Luca second team. I mean, I think Luca's better. I don't think there's yeah. any debate about that, but it's not who's better. It's who had a better season. And I think if you don't even make the play-in, like if he made the play-in, I'd probably just be like, you know what, whatever, I'm Luca. I'm a, I'm a Luca fan. But right. you can't miss the playoffs, especially when you were the four seed for most of the year and you choke like that. Yeah, He missed a lot of games towards the end, which is a part of it. He only... He played 66 games still, but a lot of that was at the end where they were struggling to win and he was, was in the lineup a lot. So Mitchell played 68, I think. So only two games more, but the point is like Lucas team is worse than Mitchell's team. I don't think there's any debate about that. Yeah. 
But you can't, in my, I'm not putting anyone on the first team that's not even going to make a postseason because if you were that guy, I feel like you would get there. That's yeah, my, I think I think that's fair for the first team All NBA. For first like, team, yes. The standard should be that's fair. The standard should be if you if you're considered a top two player at your position, you got to be in the playoffs. I think that's fair. So I'm going to agree with you. I think Donovan Mitchell, SGA, Tatum, Giannis, and Bead. I, I mean Tatum and Giannis, like everybody knows how good they are. I mean, is there anything you really need to there's say? There's no debate about Tatum or Giannis. I, we didn't really talk about Tatum. He's probably going to finish fourth for MVP. Uh, for for a lot of the beginning of the year, it looked like the Celtics were the best team, and Tatum was having his best year. Uh, Celtics didn't really tail off; they just went from like blazing hot to just like very good. Yeah, and Tatum went from blazing hot to very good, but that's he's still the best forward besides Giannis this season, and he actually has that two way impact that like some yeah. of the guys just don't have. And he played a lot of games too. Like there's some guys in here I have that. Missed a lot of games. I feel like this year, this is the least I've looked at games played because there's so many guys who missed a lot. Yeah. So, well, speaking of games played, played, yeah, I agree. Tatum, Tatum had a great season. So, but when you when you're talking about games played, this is where things get interesting because I'm interested to see how how much we took each of us took games played into account because I I wound up taking into account a lot for certain players. So, who's your second team? All right, uh, this is where I have Luca at the first guard spot. Yeah. Uh, the second guard, I have De'Aaron Fox. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my two forwards are Jimmy Butler and Laurie Markkinen. And my center is Jokic. Yeah. Jokic obviously is there. You know, I, I'll, I'll give him some props now that Embiid's the MVP. Jokic, best passing big man maybe ever. Incredible offensive player. Uh, sees the court like few others, you know. He's proven even in the playoffs he can score pretty much anywhere on the court. My problem with Jokic is he's not quite as dominant as Embiid, and defensively, he's just not the two-way player an Embiid or Giannis is, which is why I don't think he's the best player in the league. But he is the second-best center in basketball, and he deserves that nod for sure. Um, just real quick about Jokic, I was really you know feeling the whole Jokic Nuggets move for the whole year, but he really annoyed me after the trade deadline where it was like. Yeah, I really don't care about the MVP. Like, I know he doesn't care, but like, he really showed he didn't care. And it was just like, all right, can you actually care a little bit? Like, and the Jokic fans are going to be like, well, Jokic wasn't trying to win MVP. So that's why he I, didn't. I know. Like, they start to annoy me. And then the Nuggets just gave up. And when the Nuggets gave up, can Jokic, if he's the MVP, like, but, oh, he doesn't care. But if your team is struggling, can you just go out there and just like win your team a game? Yeah. Like yeah. a few times. I feel like he just was like, ah. Uh, all right, our team's not feeling it right now, and I rely on passing it to these guys. They're going cold. Mm-hmm. All right, then you go drop 40. Like, he just didn't <laughs> assert himself like I would have wanted him to, and that's why he was third in my MVP and not even second. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, yeah he's I, still second team center, but. Yeah, I, no, I, I definitely agree with everything you're saying. So a couple things I disagree on. I have Luca. I mean, I had him first team originally, but you, you've convinced me he's second team. I have Laurie. Laurie is the second team All NBA player. Like that is that's why he won Most Improved in my eyes. Like he made a huge jump. He was legitimately that good. Here's where I disagree. I have Jalen Brown as my second team forward. He is a forward. Marcus Smart and Derek White are the starting guards of the Boston Celtics. All you have to do is look at the stats. They started a ton of games. Jalen Brown's a forward. He is a second team All NBA forward. He is a great two-way player, very poised scorer, especially from the mid-range. We'll see what happens in the offseason if he will be on the Celtics next year. But I think you have to reward him for how good he's played. Definitely the best um, wing tandem in the league is him and Tatum. I think he deserves that spot. I still have Ja over Fox. Oh, I didn't even have Ja on my list. He played 61 games. He's – I mean, the Grizzlies are a top two seed. I I just think – I, we don't know what Ja really did. Like, it seems like his behavior was a little weird, but it's not I, like I, I, he's playing again. Like, he can't, that he can't be recognized. 26 a game, uh, I think like eight assists. Grizzlies, I know they played pretty well without him, but they also played really well with him, just like last year. You know, he he's one of the most scary players when he's going to the rim. Uh, I, I, I don't think Fox is, Fox has had a great season. I don't think he is a better player than, than Ja. Really it's at all? Who, who's a better player, though? I know, but like Jaws still played enough games that I think he he should be considered for this. I honestly was gonna. I I don't have Jaw on here at all, and you'll see my third team. You'll see why Jaws not on there. Fox though 
was the one of the clutchest players in the league for the third seed Kings. I think the Grizzlies are extremely talented and they actually were doing well towards the end of job missing games too. So like they have a lot of talent there without him. The gun thing was weird where you can't, if you get suspended by the team during the year and you miss like 20 games, like I'm not putting you on all NBA. If you're detrimental to your team where they have to suspend you. And De'Aaron Fox was so good too. Like I think when Morant was on the court, he was better. But Fox, what he did for that team, I think was more impressive. And Jaws off the court thing. If you have an off the court, if you have an off the court issue, I think that should factor into your all NBA thing. And if you're missing games because of it and your team has to have a team meeting because you can't control yourself off the court, I'm taking you off the all NBA. That's why I didn't have okay. more on here. That's I guess that's fair. I just didn't know what to do with the situation. Like it was it clearly wasn't for me. My third team is like the you're really talented, but either you miss a lot of games or something weird happened. But I have two guards ahead of him there that like I genuinely think were better than him this year. Okay. I, I don't want that off the court stuff like that actually impacts the team. I just I'm not gonna I'm gonna penalize that probably harder than okay. most, but okay. I mean I kind of like, I kind of agree with you. I'm not gonna change my pick because like I don't know. I already changed my Luca pick for different reasons, but like I don't know. I'll stick to what I'm saying, but like I I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I don't know. It's just like when I just look at Jaw's stats, kind of hard to be like, oh well, he's not an All NBA guy. I don't know. That's what I would say. Do you have any pushback on Jalen Brown, or are you just like? Uh, yeah, I think I knew you were gonna pick Jimmy Butler because he left the Sixers, so I know you're just not a Jimmy. I Butler. almost had Jimmy Butler, but we'll, we'll talk about him in a couple minutes. Well, no, you can talk, talk about him now because you gypped him of a second team All NBA. Um, guess what? I don't have him on the third team either. That is so disrespectful. No, it's not. You'll see why. You'll, you'll, you'll see why. All right. Jimmy Butler shot his career best, almost 54% from the floor. He okay. actually had a better three-point percentage than Jalen Brown. And he put he up shoots one a game. Congrats to Jimmy Brown shot 33% from three. So no, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, but he shoots seven, but he shot 33%. So anyways, uh, Jimmy Butler, six rebounds and over just over five assists. I just think he is the focal point of his whole team that is atrocious. His team the is worst so offense in basketball, the Miami Heat, who just lost to the Atlanta Hawks last night. It's not Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had a good season. Is the plane supposed to factor into this? No, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Okay, if the Heat, like in my brain, like if the Heat. I'm just saying the Heat had the number 30 offense through the season, and then it kind of all came crashing down on them last night. That's all I'm saying. They were still the seventh seed from the regular season. Jimmy Butler is the most important player on his team. Jalen at times, like, I don't want to give a Robin a spot over the Batman of, like, Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy Butler had a really good season. Would you have, if this was, like, Shaq and Kobe were still around, you would go with Jimmy Butler over Kobe because you don't want to give a second best player over. Uh, If this was Kobe in, like, 1999, then yes, because he was a baby. I don't think that's a, that's, that's a silly argument, Chris. I'm not going to lie. In terms of their season, it's Jimmy Butler is more important to his team that is very bad around him, and they're still a seventh seed. He had a very good year. I think defensively, they're the same thing. I think Brown and Butler might be like the same talent, but like, what did Jalen Brown do that's better than Jimmy Butler? Besides, this, like his team's better, but he they also have Tatum on the team. I know, but like Jalen Brown's averaging like. I forget exactly how many points a game. 26 a game. 26. Yeah, 26 a game. Jimmy Butler's at 22. So two more baskets Tatum, more for Tatum's Jalen Brown. putting up 30 and Brown's putting up 26. I don't think having Tatum on the team, like they're both scoring a ton. Like it, it, I, I think they're both just really good. They're both really good, but Tatum's the guy in that team. Brown is the second guy in that team. Brown has a lot more pieces around Butler him. Brown would also with. be the second guy on Boston. Like if they swap roles, like... Okay, if Embiid swapped roles with like, like Brooke Lopez, like I don't know what the point was. Like, is that, I don't care if you swap roles. It's about the season you actually had. The season Jimmy Butler had was the most important player on a seventh seed. Brunson was the second best player on a two seed. So yeah, I would. I okay, we just disagree. I think being the second best player who's averaging twenty six a game on a top three team in the league is more impressive than helping the Heat it didn't help crawl the into the playoffs. And they made it as a seventh seed. If we're just looking at the regular season, uh, if you look at also what the Celtics have around them, they have Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams. The Heat were the one seed last year, Chris. They were supposed to be good. 
Like they were supposed to be. They were the one seed last year, and did you? And then I don't think you even had him on your All NBA team either. So, because last year is because he missed a lot of time. Remember, didn't he play like? I had him on my third team, and so did the others. But um, that's why you know, man, just stop paying Jimmy Butler. He literally averaged four less points, more rebounds, more assists, and was on was the leader of a team. All right, okay. That's where Brown is like. Agree. But Brown's second best player, but I think there's like. Six guys on the Celtics who'd probably all play for the Heat. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the Celtics are super deep. Yeah, I know. So like, congrats to Brown. Like he, I, he's on my third team because he's the second best player in a really good team. Okay. All but right. if your team is that good, I'm not gonna be like, well, Brown. You know, his team's the second seed, so Brown has to be. I, mean, on I just can't wait till you how bad you're gonna get it. Who I have on my third team member, Jimmy. Do you have Pascal Siakam again, or like, is it Pascal? Well, we're gonna get to it right now. This is why I'm happy you know, Chris. Who's your all-NBA third team, Chris? Um, you know what? I changed my MVP pick. I'm picking Giannis. Oh, shut Giannis. up. Giannis is my MVP pick. You're so pick. mad. I, don't, I didn't put Jimmy Butler. Dude, you just hate on him, and he's no, literally going to Dude, I wish Jimmy Butler was still in the Sixers. He's going to beat the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I'm making the playoffs. And my third team, I have Dame Adala, because the team shut him down, but he still played a lot of games, and he was incredible when he was playing. Two, I have Steph at the other guard spot. Missed a lot of games, but when he was on the court. Yeah. I have Jalen Brown as the forward here. Uh-huh. I have LeBronathan, the GOAT James, as the other forward. Le- and I have Sabonis. LeBronathan? LeBronathan, the GOAT James. What? And then I have Sabonis as the center. Shut up, yeah. out of bio, but Sabonis was just – Offensively, just was more boring. All right, so there's a lot to unpack here for a number of reasons. So Sabonis, I agree completely. I mean, the dude is—he's basically mini Jokic. I mean, seven assists, led the league in rebounds, super efficient player in the. The the other day, I said he's a mini Jokic that actually can move up and down the court. Yeah, yeah, just he—he's awesome. He was awesome this year, and he absolutely deserves that third team center. So Lillard, like, it's a similar argument to what we're talking about with Luca, where it's like Lillard only played three less games than Ja. But the difference was like Memphis was still the two seed. Portland, I know they had injuries to a lot of guys, which kind of led to them shutting Dame down, but he only played 58 games. Portland, I mean, they're the 13 seed. For me, if like I'm taking Luca off the first team because he missed the play in by two games, then Dame to me, like as great of a season as he had, there's so many good guards that I don't think I could put him on um, just because. If we're talking strictly basketball, like Portland just wasn't a good team. It's not Dame's fault. He had an so amazing statistical. That's season. why I have the third team. The third team for me is I don't care as much about team success and I don't care about like whatever. It's literally like who are the best players that aren't on here that had the best season, okay. regardless of team success. And like games played, as my mind always says 55, like if you're around 60, that's good enough for me, where it's that's why I, that's my third team is just like. This year, I, I try to change it depending on the year. Like in the past, in the past couple of years with the with COVID, all that stuff, games played were down. This year, I kind of, I didn't even really do it on purpose going in, but I kind of wound up making it sixty. Was like my loose cutoff. Now Dame fifty eight. It's pretty close. That if Portland was a playoff team, I probably would have had Dame on my team, even though I, I would have had him first team if his team made the playoffs. Right. That's the thing. He had an incredible season. He really did. Like I'm not. T- I love Damian Lillard. Like I've said that many times, but. I just, there's so many good guards this season. I wanted to reward guys I thought really deserved it. So I don't have Curry or LeBron. And here's why. I just looked at Durant. The season he had was so incredible, but he only played 47 games. Couldn't put him on the on the team. The reason I don't have LeBron, I think LeBron probably deserves it more than Siakam for sure. Oh my God. You don't have Jimmy Butler on Listen. here. Listen, his team, his team actually wasn't in the playoffs. You know that, right? The Raptors are like one game worse than the Heat, Chris. That does hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We're, let me finish my argument about LeBron first. As then soon we can as I walked down. into Magic Kingdom, I started bawling my eyes Turn out. Disney World off. Magic. Just make it go. What? Turn Disney World off. No, it was, I looked at Pascal Siakam, but it's ESPN. All right, so all right, all right, all right. Let it. me finish. Let me finish my LeBron point. Then we can talk about Siakam. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. LeBron probably should have got this, but my thing was like, oh, I need to say who my third team guards are. I have Fox and Edwards. My thing was like, Curry's a better player than them, but I thought those two guys, they played so many games, they deserved to be all NBA. I couldn't, I, I took Curry off 
of all NBA because he played like 20 less games, 15 less games than those guys. I wanted to reward them, but it's like if I don't have Curry on here, how can I have LeBron on there when they play the same amount of games? Who so I kind of disqualified LeBron because I disqualified Curry. I was Wait, trying to be they, they both missed a lot of games, so that's why I did that. Wait, who were your two guards? De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards. Okay, so I love Anthony Edwards, but I don't I don't I don't have him on any of my teams and Fox. Wait, you have Fox third team. Who was your second? I had Ja, which is a dilemma because you Okay. So basically in my brain, you put in Ja over Steph. Yes. Like uh okay. And then you had Anthony Edwards over Dane. Uh I I really do Anthony like Edwards, Edwards is a great two-way player. I know. Just Dame is so much better of a one-way player than so many guys in the league. I mentioned Dame. If your team has make the playoffs, that's when you could go to the third team for me. If you're that good and you had that special of a year. Pascal Siakam, I don't think, had that special of a year. I think that team extremely underperformed. Pascal Siakam, you overrate every year. He's not going to make All-NBA because he's, like, he's always on the fringe. I didn't tell you who my other third team forward is. Okay. I don't. You know what, Joe? We're saving that for last, though. We're saving it for last because it's good. Jimmy be Butler's my MVP, actually, over Giannis oh and Abid. Wait, can I defend Siakam? This is absurd. No. Yes, no, I'm just I saying can. LeBron over LeBron played 55 games, which is like the bare minimum. That's two thirds of the season, as Bill says. Uh, I think someone from the Lakers had. Why a is Bill the gospel, dude? Bill voted Evan Mobley Defensive Player of the Year. And he gave Doug Rivers a coach of the year vote. Stop. The point was, he says 55 games is two-thirds of the season, so I'll, I'll trust that math. I've been listening to Bill since I was in seventh grade, and he is wrong all the time. I'm just saying, if it's that's what the gospel. I think if 55 games is like two-thirds of the season, I think that's good enough of a portion, especially when other guys aren't playing a lot of games. The third team is not where I reward guys who played games. The third team is where I give the guys who were the best on the court, even if they missed a lot of games. Uh LeBron was still a top 10 player on a team that made the playoffs. Considering how important LeBron was, and LeBron is everything about him, I'm giving LeBron the nod over Pascal Siakam, where God knows you have as the other forward. And then guards, (laughs) I mentioned Dame, and Steph too. Steph, the Warriors were fine this year, but when they actually had Steph, they actually looked like they could compete for a title. When they didn't, it just looked like that team was so wildly inconsistent. I don't how many games did Steph play? 55. Anthony Edwards played 78. De'Aaron Fox played 72. Okay. That's why Fox you know second. If you want to argue with me that Curry should get it over Jaw, I can hear that out. I think Steph should get it over Jaw. Dame should get it over Jaw. Or um I can't give Dame over Jaw. Well, unless unless we're just basing off this like off court morality stuff, but I was trying That's to stick, I was trying to stick the basketball. That's why. But why is Kyrie then not in your list, dude? Kyrie, come on, that is not this. Josh like, is much better than Kyrie. Kyrie's off the court stuff factors into stuff too, though. That's my point. Was I like, know he does, but Kyrie's not. Kyrie Irving, I would I would honestly, if he stayed in Brooklyn. Played as well as he was playing around December, January. The Brooklyn Nets kept Durant and Kyrie, and they went 53 and whatever. I would have considered Kyrie for All-NBA. He he did what he did at the beginning of the year, and then he went to Dallas, and they went 4-12 and 12 down the stretch, and he didn't help them on defense at all and might not even be on the team next year. He's not an All-NBA guy at all. That's not I know, a, just like I'm saying is, especially in years past, off-the-court stuff factors into All-NBA. If you miss games because oh, of off-the-court stuff, I think that factors in. I disagree. I think Kyrie, the year Kyrie, the other off-the-court stuff with Kyrie was not playing games because he didn't have a vaccination. He wasn't playing. I know, but John didn't play games because of the weird gun thing, and he had to go get help. And then it made – I just think it ruined – I don't want I, like, I, I hear your argument there. I hear your argument there. So, I just trying to keep it at basketball. I don't know. I think if your off the court stuff influences your basketball, it should be considered. Okay, that's my point. That's fine. Then, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing you harshly there, like at all. That and also, I think Dame was better when he was on the court than Ja was. Okay, I I don't totally disagree, but Memphis was. is a two seed, Portland's a thirteen seed. Okay, I'm just saying, like he are seven seed, and the Raptors are a nine or ten seed or whatever. But you know, it's 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 okay. What what are you talking about? I'm so if you just compared the number two seed in the West to the third worst team in the West. The Heat playoffs, are one game better than the Raptors. Playoffs, the one game not playoffs. Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Really good 
scorer, really good creator. He's improved so much as a passer over the past two years. He is the best player on the Raptors. He is a very solid defensive player. He was playing small ball center to start the year because Nick Nurse and Masai organized one of the most horrid rosters ever constructed for a team that was supposed to make the playoffs. Go listen to me and Joe Eckstein's podcast from December. We we, we were laughing about how poorly the Raptors were constructed. Then Masai, because he's a wizard of, of trades, brought in Pirtle. Siakam sl- slides back into forward. And now the Raptors, they've been playing a little bit better. They're back to you know, playing, nor- they have a normal lineup again. And Siakam, to me, Siakam's like a top, no worse than a top 20 player in the league, in my eyes. And here's the thing. The Raptors are not that much worse than the Heat at all. They're like a game worse. And I think Siakam's a better player than Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler's a better player when it matters. Um, Jimmy Butler, I think, was, had to carry his team more. Uh, Pascal Siakam had a very respectable 22 points. Shout out to him or... 24, 24, 24 points. points, dude. He really shot him off from three with 32%, uh, under 50% shooting. You know, it's true. Talking about three pointers, Jimmy Butler shoots one three pointer a game, makes more per or makes a higher percentage of them. Come on, you're literally being so biased. Like, that's if you're gonna talk about three pointers when you're arguing, if you make 32%, you're gonna have to hear that you're a bad shooter. Jimmy Butler doesn't shoot. Okay, so he's not a bad shooter. Well, he, Pascal, if you shoot and you don't make them, that's worse than only shooting one and making Pascal more. Pascal Siakam, it's not like he's just launching threes. He shoots way more in the post or in the in the in from mid-range than threes. Yeah, that's why he shoots 40% from the floor. But anyways, uh, I think Jimmy Butler is more important to his team. I feel like the Raptors have eight versions of Pascal Siakam next to him. He's the best version. Of Pascal Siakam, the best version is Pascal Siakam. But, I mean, give me a few years and I'll take Scotty over him. Uh, I think Pascal's fine. I think he's really fine. I think he'd be on a fourth team, but I don't know how you look at Pascal Siakam and put him over Jimmy Butler. Well, can I tell you the other person I put over Jimmy Butler? Who was the other forward, Joe? So he is, you know, we were talking about LeBron. LeBron played 55 games. This guy, he exceeded the limit of games you can play. He played 83 games. He is the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And now that he has changed teams, he is averaging 27 points per game with his new team before he was on a very good team, guarding the best players in the league, keeping that team atop the Western Conference before the trade. Mikhail Bridges has evolved this season into one of the very, very best wings in the entire league and one of the very best two-way players in the league. He has shown off his defensive prowess all year long on both teams he's played for. He, ele- he has helped elevate Brooklyn's defense since he got there. He's averaging 27 points per game with the Brooklyn Nets, that is incredible. He has become a guy who can make the three, make the mid-range, command the offense, but also he has the number one, according to some advanced stats I was looking at, he's the number one matchup difficulty of any NBA player this season. He played every game possible. He is taking on a load that very few other players are doing. And I think he's had better season than Jimmy Butler. And you Siakam, said, honestly. I think I actually think Bridges had a better season than Siakam, too. I would agree Bridges better than Siakam, but if we're just looking at the last 27 games they've played, sure, Mikel Bridges is an all-NBA guy. However, Before considering... That, he's still in, like the best defensive wing in the league on Phoenix. For I don't even have years. him on an all-defensive team for me. I think he's still really good defensively, but... You don't have him on your all-defensive team. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I think he was very good for the Nets this year. But if you want to talk about bad teams, the Nets, like after the trade, were worse than the Heat were. So there's that. Nets have not been bad after the trade. There have been sub 500. They were expected to bow out, and instead they they got the six seed. They're still a bad team since the like since they got Bridges, the team that was still like losing more games than it wins. Point is, Mikel Bridges has had a terrific time with the Nets. However, all he does with the Nets is score and defense, but he doesn't play make or rebound like Jimmy Butler does. If you look at his time with the Suns, that's why I'm jipping him here. It's because he was on the Suns with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and he's the fourth option. 17 a game, pretty solid, but I was gonna say he had his, he was already having his best offensive season in Phoenix. And then he just But I don't care if it's his best offensive season. I'm just comparing it to other people, not his self. So 17 points per game, solid. Is that does that if you, like put, if you put the two team, if you put the two stints together, he averaged 20 a game on the year while also being like 
an elite, all defensive caliber wing and playing every game. He's the, he is literally the ultimate Ironman of the NBA. Like it's great that he played every game. I just don't think 20 points a game in every game and really good defense is going to take out Jimmy Butler. who's a very good defender who is the most important player on his team the whole season, not just the last 20 something games on a bad atrocious. Well, they're fine, but like the Nets team that was kind of like the season's over anyways. So let's let Mikel Bridges develop. If, if the Nets were so them. bad, then why didn't the Heat catch them to make to get out of the play? Because they had a huge, gigantic lead. The Nets literally went won 14 in a row with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think they got to the two seed at one point. They did, and they were only behind by like a game. And then they fell down because Kevin Durant got hurt. I don't know. To me, Mikael Bridges was an in- integral force for a very good team the first half of the year and is the best player on a solid team the second half of the year. What are the Heat? Are the Heat a solid team? Yes. Okay, so Jimmy Butler is the best player on a solid team the whole year that is more important to that team's total success. Um, And he's... I'm just saying, I think... He doesn't have 56 games played for the other team that he was the fourth best player of. They call Mikhail the fourth best player on the Suns this year, is, I, I would say. Who would you? Chris Paul, he, he might have been Booker. the second. He might have been the second. Until he got traded. You could say Chris Paul because he had a down year, but you always push back that Chris Paul has decreased, so I don't really know. Well, Chris Paul's still an elite playmaker, but. Aiden had 18 a game, Cardu, Bridges 17. They're basically the same thing, except Aiden had 10 rebounds. <laughs> what? I, I I value Bridges so much more than Aiden. We we were I mean, literally like, just talking about now I do, but when he was on the Suns, when he was on the Suns, it was like, oh, he's really inconsistent offensively. Booker goes away. He's this year made huge strides all he year. He makes huge strides when there's no one around him. Whenever Booker's gone, Bridges looks like one of the best players because he could score twenty something a game, and then Booker comes back and he goes down to fifteen a game. All I can tell you is Bridges had his best season this year. I don't care if you – okay, so did, like, Brunson had his best season this year. Doesn't matter if it's your best season. He was a close cut. I mean – I know, Bridges should be a close cut. But, like, just because it's your best season, I don't care about your past season. We disagree. 27 a game with the Brooklyn Nets, Mikhail Bridges. And I can't wait to see what he does next year. All right. Speaking of Mikhail Bridges, let's get to the all-defense teams before we run out. I don't know why I'm talking about Mikhail Bridges for all-defense. Okay, all right, let's get to it. I don't know how you don't have Mikhail Bridges. Okay. First team all defense. I think we'll agree on this one. I have Drew Holiday, Alex Caruso, Giannis, Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez. Three Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I have Mobley over Giannis. Really? Okay. Forward. Um, Fair. When I was making the list, I was like, there's no way Giannis, not Giannis, but there's no way that the Bucks have three all defense guys. Like, like their defense was really good, but like, I can't give them three when like Mobley was really good. Like Jaron Jackson for me was the lock and Drew was a lock. Yeah. Um, Brooke and Bam and um, Claxton were all like really good center options, but I gave it to Brooke just because I think he was more important than Giannis was defensively this year, just because of like the fact that he was their guy in the paint. Yeah. So yeah, I just have Mobley too. Cause Mobley doesn't, I mean, Jared Allen's good, but like, they're guards. Mitchell and Mo- Garland are like people say Mitchell's good defensively, but he's not. Like he's, not, he's better this year, but he's not a stopper now. Yeah, you know it's not. He's not Drew Holiday, so basically they don't have a lot. And the Karis Liver ain't locking up anyone, so everything's <laughs> getting funneled to Mobley or Allen. I think Mobley was by far the most poor player. So um, I have no problem. I have no problem. I have Drew Caruso, Jaron uh, Mobley, and Brooke. Yeah. Do you know the Bulls are the number four defense in the league? The whole That's season. Insane. The whole season. Yes. They had the number four defensive rating. Alex Caruso, man, he's he's number one in deflections per 36 minutes, 2.2 stocks per game. Um, you know, top 10% in, in steals percentage. He, he rebounds the ball. He's a great on-ball stopper, more athletic than you think. It's just he 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 for whatever reason. Honestly, Alex Caruso low-key should have an argument for six man of the year just because of how good of a defensive player he is. With the up. other options, no. With the no, other I, I agree. That's why I didn't pick him. But I'm just saying, to be a first-team all-defense player, like, I don't know, you could throw him in the mix for six-man of the year. I wouldn't be against it at all. I want, Caruso to, I want Caruso to go to a team and start the whole year and actually get so many minutes. I want to see, like, because yeah. everything's like per 36 with him. 
Just give him give him 36 minutes a game. I want to see how many steals he can get. Well, I only said per 36 because that's, like, what the stat is. Like, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, the, the always, the, always the issue is the fact that he doesn't have the minutes the other guys have. Yeah, he played so, a lot of this year, though. No, I know, but, like, I want to see him on the court just as much as Drew and just see how good defensively he could be throughout the course of a game. That was my point. So I like him so much, I want to see more of him. That's fair. But, yeah, he definitely deserves his first team because, like, they lost Lonzo and they didn't get Beverly till late in the year. So, like, you look at that Chicago team, everyone was like, Levine has been terrible on defense. DeRozan's never been an above-average defender. No, Levine has been – no, when Levine tries to play defense He's for five it. minutes – that is the Bulls are so much better. Yeah, there's so many times he just lets people go blow by him, and so Vucevic is getting like two guys charging at him, and Vucevic gets That's mad. It's overwhelming for him. Yeah, but this yeah. is why I was so impressed by Caruso. I mean, granted, I've only watched a couple Bulls games, but how did they put together the number four defense all year long? When for most of the year, people were saying how they they stunk on defense. Like I have to credit Caruso at least a big part of that because you know Vucevic is not a rim protector, so. I don't know. I think he definitely deserved it. And then Drew Holiday is the best defensive guard in the league. He's he literally wins games for the Bucks because of his defense. You know, I, he's just it's his reputation at this point. He deserves it. I would have picked Drew over Ja all the all NBA. Sure, like I don't I don't want to keep arguing about it, but like if you now, Drew was the biggest game. miss for me for all NBA. The guys that I I literally wrote a list of sorry, and then I wrote like a few players. It was Drew was one. Anthony Davis was two, Ja was three, Brunson was four. Yeah, like Drew was Drew could have been like All NBA because of his defense was that good, and this year offensively he was doing slightly more than normal. Yeah, Holiday and Brunson were the closest cuts for me for guards, uh, not counting like Dame performance base. But yeah, yeah, uh, you got to go Holiday for all defense, and then yeah, Mobley. Mobley's been great. I mean, Cleveland has the number one defensive rating in the league. He's he's another guy like Jaron. He can kind of switch out of the out of the paint. He he kind of plays just like how Jaron plays off Adams. He plays off Allen, but at the same time, they're the better defensive players. They can play center when needed. Great rim protector Mobley is, and he's only going to get better. I'm hoping eventually he gets better offensively as well because he has, I think he has star potential. But I have no qualms with him over Giannis for first team. I put him on my second team. Uh, who would you, I, in my brain, what flipped it for me was like, if I had to do defensive player of the year vote, I'd give it to Mobley over Giannis. Okay. I, so I'm like, if that, if I'm going to give it to Mobley over Giannis, then I have to put Mobley on first team and Giannis on second team. Okay. I, I guess so. I don't know. I, that was just why I'm not going to, I, I don't really care. Lopez has had such a good season, but Giannis has won defensive player of the year in the past and he still is. Yeah, no, well, it's Giannis, and no one's going to be like, well, Giannis is a lot of help around him, but if it's Brooke Lopez, it's like, yeah, yeah, it you're going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, Giannis, Giannis, though, one of those people years, shoot, people shoot 17% worse when Giannis can test them at the rim. That's pretty insane. No, I know. Just Giannis, though, is the second guy in the paint next to Brooke, which is, yeah. yeah so, but you could put Giannis first team. I'm not going to care that much because right. they're both that good. Mm-hmm. Who's your second team? Uh, Guards, I have Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Mark Hilfoltz. Oh, let's go. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, forwards, I have Giannis. Here's where I have OG Anunobi instead of um, Mikel Bridges. Yeah. Bridges was my one actual guy that I had to cut off. I was joking before, like, just because you were loving Bridges. Yeah. I really like Bridges. I just think when you take that offensive load, it just parting of a two-way impact, but OG is just a purely like lock you down defensive guy. I think the way he blocks shots and like can chase guys down is special compared to like a guy like Bridges. And he closes That's- on them corner threes like very few other people can. Yeah, I know. Like the fact that he like blocks people when they're actually shooting, like not like doing a layup but he's in the paint. Like he actually yeah. blocks your yeah. shot. Yeah. That's yeah. why for me, I had him over Bridges. Uh, I said Giannis and then my center. I gave it a bam. Because okay. I believe in switching bigs, and I know Claxton was great defensively as a center. Switching big, but I switched. It, I gave it a bam because I think versatility is so important. He's the best center at it. Yeah, it. I was very. I gave it to Bam over Claxton, kind of on reputation. They're both. They both had really good seasons. I'm just saying, like, if you look at Claxton, like it's weird because Bam's like box score numbers aren't as good as Claxton's, but he doesn't block nearly as many shots as like the advanced big wise. Advanced wise, they're pretty similar. Claxton's a lot more switchable than I think people realize. Like both Bam and Claxton, like if you look at their like percentage of positions guarded, they're very similar. Claxton's a big part of that Brooklyn defense as well with Bridges, and he was there all season. 
Uh, I do think once Bridges got there, their defense got better. Since March 1st, the Nets are a top seven defense in the league. But the thing is, Claxton was there all year. He was the only thing holding that Brooklyn defense together when it was Durant and Kyrie and those guys. So I think Claxton put together a great season. But I think Bam is just regarded as such a, like you said, his his ability to switch is probably like one of the best out of any, maybe maybe the best. I mean, you can throw Giannis in there as well, I guess. But Yes, is a count. He's not even a center. Okay. Yeah, like, I know. Brook next to you, like that's why. That's why I think Bam yeah. is there. Yeah, so I would give it to Bam slightly over Claxton, but it was that was a close one for me. I go Bridges over OG. OG and Jaden McDaniel's were my closest cuts at four. I mean, Jaden McDaniel's. I mean, he's such a good defender. He took himself out of the game, so maybe he should have made it. But I don't know. I think those two guys were great. OG. That's the thing. Like OG led the league in steals. I just think Bridges, like I said, if you look at the matchup difficulty, he's in the 100th percentile. He is guarding Kevin Durant. He's guarding LeBron James. He's guarding uh, whoever, like any Kawhi Leonard. And then he's also, uh, even on Phoenix, he was scoring a lot. But then now on Brooklyn, like like in, in the playoff series this week, he's probably going to be guarding like Harden and then on the other end be taking the most shots. So I don't know. And he didn't miss any game. So I just feel like it's a close one. I think OG Anobi had a great season, but that's the thing. You can only pick four guys. Uh, so I went Bridges over Ananobi. So please talk about Markel Fultz. I love Markel Fultz. I didn't pick him for this. Wait, who I went, your, who with, I went with Derek White. I went with Derek White for my second team guard. And Ant-Man. And Ant-Man, yes. But Fultz, I mean, come on. He had an amazing season. Really, I made a TikTok a couple months ago where it's like the Magic started 5-20, and 20, and since Fultz is in the lineup, they're over 500. So... Yeah, no, that's actually what did it for me was once Fultz came back, they actually had a defensive identity as a team. That's and he also just like actually goes at people and is like playing aggressive defense, which you love to see. Yeah. Um, I literally had to think of guards because I guards is so tough to do for all defense because it's really just like there's a lot of guys I left out. Like, do you think I didn't want to put the Anthony Melton, the ultimate culture builder? I know, but like like I very much did, but I was trying not to be biased. I think Derek White's a better defender than. Derek. But it's so hard to judge like guards' defense because it's like a lot depends on like your system and everything. But I'm like, the guys that I watched, I think oh they're actually going at people. They're actually causing a difference defensively. Fultz is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's why I just put him there. I'm like I feel like he, in terms of he never really had the aggressive offensive gene in him, but he does for defense. Thank God. And it, it seems now. Like- I mean, Fultz goes to the rim now like he was supposed to always. I think. That's true. We just like, I think really his calling card is defense. And I think the way that he came back in Orlando's defense was actually solid because of him. That's why I Fultz. No, uh, he, he, that's awesome. I I love that pick. I'm not complaining. My thing with Derek white, that's always amazed me with him Spurs Celtics, whatever is like, he can, he can jump into the passing lanes. He can be an on-ball guy on at guard, but he also is like able to, pull off these chase down blocks. Like he's always one of the best block artists in the NBA. So uh, at at guard, at guard, he's always one of the best uh, chase down guards in the league. So I just think that Derek white, um, I don't know. I I wanted to go with him. Celtics. I I respect it. Just in my eyes, if you have Brown and Tatum and uh, Robert Williams and Horford, it's like, he didn't didn't have Robert Williams that often. I know. But like point is, if you're a really good defensive team, it's like okay. you have more freedom, whereas Fultz was more so like okay, no the identity of the Magic. So that, but I don't really care that much about. Yeah, and then player. Edwards is another guy who's like just he he guards the best player and is kind of like Bridges. He guards he doesn't guard the best player always because of McDaniel's, but he seems to guard the best guard all the time, and then is also such an elite offensive player. That's where I rewarded games played was he didn't make the All NBA, but I was like still good defensively, so I gave it to Edwards or yeah, Edwards there for sure. All right, we got to wrap up because we're running out of time for you. But rookie of the year, all rookie teams. Uh, so we said Paolo, Jalen Williams, first two guys. Who else do you have on your first team? Walker Kessler, Keegan Murray, and I have Jade and Ivy here, not Benedict Matherin. That's what I went with. Jade and oh, Ivy. Really? Yes, that's my three. Walker Kessler. I mean, if you look at just what he did since New Year's, like he's basically mini Rudy Gobert already. Such a yep. great rebound, such a great shot. Blocker. And he doesn't punch his teammates. Right, exactly. Jaden Ivey, you know, efficiencies are up and down, but 16 and five as a rookie is pretty impressive, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was really towards the end of the year. He kind of just seemed more confident, figured things out. The few times that I watched the Pistons was actually towards, was some in the beginning with Cade, and I was like, Ivey doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. Then towards the end of the year, it's like, oh, it's just rookie guard, but he kind of had a feel for the game more. 
Uh, Benedict Matherin started the season really hot, but yeah. came off the bench, and I think he was good. Just yep. I think Ivy seemed to have a better grasp by, by the end of the year. I agree. Matherin's three-point shot especially kind of tailed off. Uh, and then real fast, Keegan Murray, you mentioned how Mike Brown kind of instilled some stuff from Golden State. Uh, now, I guess he wasn't there for when Harrison Barnes was in Golden State, actually, but Keegan's role in this Kings team reminds me of young Harrison Barnes in Golden State. I was about to say that, except the team actually does have Harrison Barnes. Yeah, that's, is- that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, he's literally just like, for now, he's just a good, good 3 and D kind of guy, but he could actually do more, too. Yeah, I think he'll expand his role in the future. And then second team, I have the two Pacers guards, Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhard or Nemhard. Yep. Uh, Tari Eason, who yep. two-way player on the Rockets, he might be the only two-way player they have. Uh, Jalen Duran, who I think is going to be an awesome center for the Pistons for a while, playing two ways. And then my last guy, I went Jabari Smith Jr. I know the efficiency was up and down, but I still think he showed enough on the box score along with uh, some defensive potential uh, that I think I had to reward him. I had Bendik Matherin, Andrew Demhard, Tori Eason, Jalen Duran, like you had, and then I had Jeremy Sohan over Jabari Smith. I, I would have done that, but Jeremy Sohan played only 54 games. Honestly, it's second team of rookie. If you want to put no, Jabari Smith, I don't if, care you that. Want, if you want to put Jabari Smith over, fine. There's just too many times I'm looking at the Rockets games, and it's like in the beginning of the year, I hated what I was saying from Jabari Smith. And then yeah. Towards the end of the year, he looked better, but then they just didn't get him the ball because Jalen Green and Porter Jr. are like he might make his threes. He's supposed to be a three-point shooter, and he made thirty percent of his threes. Yeah, that that was the thing. Was just like if it was just the end of the year, I probably would have had Jabari, but like they need him just to be the guy with the ball, but he doesn't do that yet. That was my thing. Sohan, I like the hair. I like the free throw shooting. Yeah, and he's a good, very good two-way player already. He's only going to get better. I, I know that, like, all rookies, so you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just give the so in. But, like, I try to have the same criteria for everybody. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm just like the – you know what I mean? It's just like I, I don't get my – like, you know. Well, I, I, I got you, but, like, I don't know. I tried to be fair to everybody. Listen, if I'm doing it – if I'm making a list off the top of my head of guys I actually think it's different than All-NBA, which is like, all right, let me actually look at the numbers and stuff. That was okay. – well, I, I don't blame you. I, I'm fine with Jabari, but. Okay. All right, Chris. Well, what we learned was Mikhail Bridges has uh, surpassed Jimmy Butler as a player. Uh, thank you for joining me today to do these awards. It was a lot of fun. Always fun talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Proud to share my picks this year. You think you're a little crazy for the Mikhail Bridges, but besides that, uh, we could still remain friends. Thanks. 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 For Actually, no, no. Pascal Siakam is worse than Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> Pascal Siakam's underrated. Joel Embiid's good friend, Pascal Siakam. All right, Chris, thanks for coming on. And thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow Trust the Podcast on Spotify and Apple if you aren't already. Uh, I'm very excited for this NBA playoff run. Very excited for this Sixers playoff run. So uh, hopefully it lasts long. So stay tuned with the pod. I'm sure I'll have plenty more coming down the pipeline. Other than that, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Go Sixers. Congrats to Joel Embiid. He is your 2023 MVP.